My name's Sushi and I'm a brown woman who used to work in the charity sector, but I don't anymore. The point of this podcast is to add another brown voice to the conversation and a chance for Mandy and me to chat about some of the content in the podcast. It's not the Mandy Johnson Show. Okay, great. So this week I asked you to listen to episode seven, which is Sonia Dinand. Um, yes. Because I've been very disorganized and I haven't edited our previous conversation and we're yet to <laughs> match this with the episode before, but hopefully we'll get there at some point. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of Sonia? Yeah, my gosh, she's done it all, hasn't she? She's worked in every industry. Yeah. She's done all the stuff. There was just so many things that she talks about which were really interesting, kind of unpicking why we have this issue in charities, which I thought was really great. Obviously reflected on it a lot, having faced it herself. Interestingly, because she's worked in participation so much, I actually was thinking about how I wonder if charities sometimes see it as an expense and as a burden Mm -hmm. rather than the wealth it actually brings. Yeah. Um, And I wonder, it kind of felt like that was what she was seeing, but she didn't say exactly that. I've just put words into her mouth. It felt a lot like she was kind of coming up against it when she was talking about the need to be inclusive. It was seen as, well, actually, we've got these established networks and we'll just go to those people and and it will will keep saying the same thing to the same small group of people, which is basically not diverse. (laughs) The opposite. (laughs) Absolutely. But also actually preventing them from achieving their mission. Yeah, definitely. And that, I guess it's, it's not surprising. It was just really striking to me as I was listening that actually not recognizing the wealth of doing that legwork of bringing in people, reaching those audiences that are not common to you or right in front of you, but absolutely would be part of the experience that your charity is trying to front or, or to, to, to support, that is priceless. It's just really interesting that, you know, even the biggest organizations aren't really there either. Yeah. Um, but then also she talks about this idea of the small organizations that actually are, which is, which, which we know and it's quite, yeah. 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 Well, I do want, I mean, obviously that's a drum I like to bang as often as possible, mm. but small organizations are a lot close to the front lines. They get it a little bit more. And yeah. Yeah. I wonder if, if larger charities realize what they're missing out on there as well. Which kind of makes you think that in that sense, wouldn't it make sense for bigger organizations to work in partnership with smaller organizations? Smaller organizations have that access and they mm-hmm. have the close connections. That's the expertise they can also draw on as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's kind of a bit of, I don't know, it's just really interesting. I'm sure there are lots of partnerships and there's lots of partnership yeah. work, but yeah. but I also just, as someone who has been in a big organization, I can see there is lots of not partnership working as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, and I think there's always the perception that small can learn from large, but a massive missed opportunity of what large can learn from small. That's so true. That they could have a mutually beneficial relationship rather than an unhealthy power dynamic. Yeah, that is so true. So true. But something else that she kind of talked about was this idea, you kind of both touched on it, this idea of we've come to to realise that the world has been designed for white middle-class men. Mm-hmm. And it was quite, I was thinking about it 
she, she mentioned the, the 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 taps that don't recognize black skin yeah it's quite interesting because recently people like Caroline Criado Perez mm-hmm. have highlighted how there's a gender blindness in the world yeah. that's built for men. But actually, we also need to talk about how the world has been built for white people and able-bodied people, mm-hmm. specifically for able-bodied people, because that's so very, very, very clear. Absolutely. Um, that's also just something that w- it would be great to expose more. And it links to this other point that she talks about where she was called, she, it was, it's almost the idea of being called, calling out racism is discouraged in charities, especially when you're calling out the racism of white women, which is what she highlighted. I think that's so prevalent. I definitely have like personal experience of that too. And I know countless examples of other people of color who have the same sorts of stories. This is the problem of the design, isn't it? That we're not designing our organizations so that they are diverse and inclusive. So then calling out racism is seen as so bad because the idea that anyone is exhibiting something that would be offensive to someone or not even offensive, but just not inclusive, that ultimately a lot of the things that people point out are that we are failing to include someone or we are failing to reach someone or we are unconsciously discriminating against someone that's a problem of design really Mm. and it's shame that in an environment where you'd hope that there was the desire to only subserve the people that you work for and your communities they would want to do everything to eliminate that kind of barrier to access to other people me and you have talked about this it happens throughout society there's all sorts of factors it's not a charity specific thing but it's such a shame in that environment and that's the sad bit yeah absolutely i mean part of the issue there i think is the word inclusion is banded around but i think people haven't thought about what it really means so inviting someone into a room isn't including them if you then expect them to conform to your norms yes you were talking about that a lot Mm. Sonia gave loads of really good examples of how mm. she didn't ever feel like she fitted in in that environment because they wanted her to conform. Yeah. Um, and I've been reflecting on that a lot, partly because I spoke to someone last week who was saying what you tend to find when organisations are doing well in terms of diversifying, and I'm wiggling my fingers while I'm saying sure. that, um, yeah. is that they're either hiring people with the same privileged background as they have who happen yeah. to have black skin or brown skin, yeah. or they're hiring people who are happy to conform. And I think yeah. you've spoken about this a little bit, like, yeah. you know, in your workplace, you're going to turn up, behave like a white person, and then you yeah. can go home and be the person you really are. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But also, I am quite a conformist. I grew up in St. Albans. We've talked about this. This is going to come mm-hmm. up multiple times. So I grew up mm-hmm. in St. Albans in a very, very white environment. Mm-hmm. I have few BAME friends. I am very typical of like an home counties BAME person growing up in the UK who has a kind of like middle accent, a nothing accent. Mm-hmm. I can't tell, can't tell where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, Although my friends in Manchester would disagree with that. You're definitely a southerner. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm a southerner. I'm a, a generic southerner. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because it's, it's kind of insulting that the idea that you think that by hiring me, you're going to be diversifying your pool is like a myth. Because mm-hmm. honestly, the only thing I bring is brown skin. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I literally mm-hmm. am not 
helping you to diversify to reach communities that are within certain sectors that you want to get to I'm not the person that's going to help you do that and she's the opposite of me in a sense she's decided not to conform and all that kind of stuff whereas I've just decided to conform so I am a good example of someone you kind of you can't just decide to brownwash your organization with me it's not going to work yeah and I that's what you do and and the kind of relatable example she was talking about this tokenism idea that you're kind of just being brought into the room I can't I honestly can't tell you the number of times I was asked to speak at conference when I was working um, in a charity very often I would say actually I'm not the most appropriate person or I'm not able to talk about this because of certain reasons and I would say I can offer my boss who's a straight white man and they would just say no thank you and it was very very clear that they just were looking for a brown person to talk at, at the event mm. but they didn't want to admit it <laughs> I would I would have mm. really really appreciated that they admitted it someone actually when I said look I'm not going to be able to give you the, the diversity credentials that you're kind of probably looking for was very very like complete just flipped out on me and was like that's not why we want you. We want you because of you. And I just thought, that's such a lie. And please don't insult me by pretending it's not. It's just embarrassing. Like, admit it, just admit it. Well, you and I um, had this conversation when I asked you to be on the podcast, didn't we? Because I said, part of the reason I want you is because you're a brown woman. But, and, and that's you know, it. That's not the only reason, obviously. No, no, I don't sure. Need to tell but... you all of that. But... <laughs> <laughs> but but it was it's refreshing like being told things it having it up front is so refreshing and, and it shouldn't be refreshing it should be normal really because it means i can make the decision do i want to join a project where my identity is going to be part of the reason i'm being asked to do it or do i not want to and, and in this instance i did want to because this is what we're talking about and this is it's great for me on some occasions i might not want to i should be allowed that but it, it kind of means that I'm being judged not by the quality of my work, which is what, what my peers are being judged on, but I'm being judged on my protected characteristics. Mm. And that's really annoying that I'm not being judged because on my quality of my work. Then in that instance, that's how you're being racist. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. Then, then what you're doing is you're saying, you know what, just anyone, as long as you've got some brown skin on you, that's where it becomes really frustrating and annoying. And then it's exactly tokenism. I can appreciate how it is difficult. It's difficult to navigate and it's not clear cut. But I would say with reflection, it becomes more obvious. And it's that thing you said that people don't really know what inclusion is. Mm -hmm. uh, they, don't, they don't actually consider it. Um, well, yeah. I think so. I was talking to a city firm recently that's looking to, like they've done unconscious bias training. It hasn't worked. Mm. They're looking for what to do next. And we were talking about this whole thing around conforming there are some things that you will have to conform to so they've been working on a program with younger people where they tell them like you have to turn up to work on time that's compulsory but they're trying to find the flexibility in it's really important for us that you turn up to work on time because we need people to do shift patterns but it's sure. not that important that you all eat sandwiches at lunchtime that's flexible right. um right. you know so they're trying to find out which cultural norms they can cope with and which ones they can't and how to make right. it still feel like an inclusive environment without you know you can't be flexible about absolutely everything it's a really interesting yeah. discussion one that i hadn't really thought that much about yeah to really kind of think about each aspect of it yeah, yeah that's really interesting i hadn't it'd be interesting to see what they do because obviously if they're a, did you say they were a bank yeah yeah so if they've got uh some money to do some work on it um, mm. is something that you know organizations that don't have that expenditure can copy 
in the conversation, you mentioned that you had been on the Deloitte graduate scheme. Mm -hmm. And you talked about the fact that there was a lot of visible diversity, but that's where it kind of ended. Yeah. They probably hired conformists and people with privilege. There's nothing wrong with having privilege. There's nothing wrong with being a conformist. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But you miss out on all the benefits of diversity if that's the only type of people that you hire. Yeah, that's really interesting because one of the things I've been thinking about is the fact that the current graduate schemes in the charity sector are not very diverse. In fact, the, the cohort of people in those schemes are really fighting back at the moment and they're very vocal about the fact that it's, they're not very diverse. Um, often the Deloitte graduate schemes and, and the other graduate schemes are seen as like pinnacles of success because they actively look for diverse candidates. But it is really interesting that still they're looking for quite a superficial diversity, mm. which is basically what you pointed out. And that is really, really kind of the problem with this whole mm -hmm. problem, this conversation. We are desperate to find people who kind of fit those norms, that cultural fit, yeah. and that actually isn't diversity then, it's brownwashing, <laughs> it's, exactly. yeah, it's whatever, yeah. It's like, I want you to be so. everything that the person, I want you to be exactly like Mandy Johnson, I just want you to have brown skin. Um, right, right. Well, actually, in that case, just hire Mandy Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was really interesting to really consider that it opens up that conversation to people of color like me who is very privileged i'm really tired of that binary distinction mm -hmm. which doesn't work for me and she talks about the idea that mm -hmm. she's in the you know in bame she's the me you know she's the minority she, you know how she found it really offensive which yeah, i understand definitely but it, it just means that who you are is crushed at the same time as the expectation of what you're able to fulfill isn't legitimate but your firstly, your identity is ripped apart. But then secondly, you're not going to be able to do what people are hoping you might magically be able to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it was good to have that really laid out the way she did. Yeah. yeah. She's a brilliant woman. Just, yeah. yeah. As are all the women I've had on my podcast so far. I'm very happy. <laughs> this is not the Mandy Johnson show. This is not the Mandy Johnson show. It's not the Mandy Johnson show.